Got it. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this class on Parshas Vayishlach. First, I want to thank my sponsors and let you all know that this class is being learned as a special schos for four shalima for Rus Frida Bas Debbie. She should have her four shalima Bakarov. Also, her four shalima for Mushka Rus Bas Bela Daba and Malka Hadassah Bas Mushka Rus, her four shalima as well. Also, Le'iloy Nishmas, Miriam Yafa Bas Harav Yosef Dov. Alta Freda Bas Reb Eli Melech, my great grandmother, whose yard site is tonight. Also, the Eloy Nishmas Esther Bela Bas Reb Yehoshua Mardechai, Fegamal Bas Reb David Yisrael Ben Ramosha Yitzchak Menachem and Ramir Halevi, Chanvor Bas Reb Asher Enzel, and Aaron Meir Ben Reb Shalom Ezra, and Nisham Meshav Naliyah. Also, Rafu Shlima for Yitzchak Shlomo Ben Miriam, and also for Shirach Bekaro for Yitzchak Bas Adina Chava. Okay, so. Parshas Vayishlach, that's what we're up to. And so many things happen in this week's Parsha. So many things. It starts off where Yaakov is preparing to meet Esau, right? We all know then it, then we know Yaakov has the fight with Tsar Esau. And then we all know that, you know, Yaakov, and Yaakov sees Esau with 400 men, right? The first Yaakov's preparing, then he has his fight, then he sees Esau with 400 men, and Yaakov starts stopping Tashem, right? And then at the end, Esau says, come, let's travel together. And Yaakov says, no, you go ahead, I'll catch up. And then Vatitze Dina. And Dina goes out, and she gets captured in the whole story with Shrem. That's the order, but I'm not going to go in order. I want to bring up different points, and we're just going to, you know, touch on these different points in different ways and to bring out different ideas to make it very real. Last week, we discussed Rachel and Leah. I don't know if I discussed this on the Zoom specifically, but the name Leah... We find that, you know, Rachel, it's like she was the beloved when Yaakov saw her, when she was coming with the sheep, and Yaakov wanted to marry her, and Yaakov chose her, and she was the chosen one. And then we learn Leah comes in, and it's like Leah gets switched out with Rachel. And we have this, like we understand that Leah is constantly trying to find favor in Yaakov's eyes and constantly trying to feel beloved. And she names her children different names based on, you know, I, I do feel, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm not happy. He loves me. He doesn't love me. All these different things. And then finally, no, thank you, right? Yehuda, Pamadeh, Hashem, all different things. But there's a greatness about Leah that I feel that we don't give enough recognition to. And that is the story with the Dudam. Now, I know it's like when she answers, you know, you stole my husband, you want my Dudam, and Rachel remained quiet, and that's godless in its own way. And of course, we're not saying we're any godless from Rachel. Rachel is godless, next level. But there was a moment here that we all know that Leah davened, that she knew she was carrying Yosef, and she knew Rachel was carrying Dina. And she davened that it should be switched. She davened that Rachel should be able to get Yosef, and that she should carry Dina. And we don't realize, I, I don't think, I didn't realize until like it was, I don't know where I read this or saw it or heard it, that she had an opportunity to finally stand in a place in Yaakov's heart where she never stood. If she would have had seven shvatim, Yaakov would have been like, Leah, oh my gosh, you're like, oh, she would have gotten to a place where she would have felt finally so beloved in Yaakov's eyes and heart that it would have been like the best thing for her, but she gave it up. She gave it up. She said she davened that Rachel should have Yosef and she should have Dina. And we always know that in life, we're constantly um, faced with choices, right? We can go the high route, right? We can be the higher person. We can be more mature. We can let it ride. We can let it slide. We could, we could just like be that one to give in 
And we always know that there's a schar waiting for us and that there's something that Hashem doesn't forget and Hashem writes it down and we know, but sometimes it's, it's very hard because we know also that in this world, sometimes we don't see the reward and we don't get to see the result. And it's like, we sometimes ourselves, I feel like we forget the different things that we've done for people throughout our lives and the years. And, you know, Hashem doesn't forget. Hashem doesn't forget. And here's something where we see now that comes through in this week's Parsha when Dina is taken by Shechem. And we all know that Dina has a child and that child is Asnas. And that's when Yaakov sees Asnas and he realizes that every time the brothers see Asnas, they get filled with such rage because they get reminded of what Shechem did to Dina and they go out and they kill a bunch of people. So Yaakov knew that he needed to take Asnas somewhere else because she was a real trigger. You know, like sometimes you say like we're triggered, like this triggers us. Well, every time they saw this poor child, they were triggered and they went crazy. So Yaakov brought her down to Mitzrayim and, and put her up for adoption and saw that a very upstanding family was going to adopt her. And that was Potiphar. And that's why the whole thing with Yosef and Ishes Potiphar, because they saw in the stars, it was, it was an adopted child, Ishes Potiphar. Asnath was an adopted child and she was actually the daughter of Leah. So yes, Leah gave up Yosef, the, the ability to have Yosef, but you know what she got in return? Tushvatim, Menashe and Ephraim come from Asnas, who comes from Dina, who comes from Leah. So that just like warmed my heart when it's like, okay, Hashem, you really remember you. It's all written down. It's all written down in the Sefer Hazakonis. Hashem writes down everything the good, the bad, and the ugly, but the good, the good. And it will, and we will be rewarded for it. And Hashem knows best when to give it to us, when to give us that reward. Sometimes we feel like, Hashem, how about now? Hashem, like right now, like we don't mind, like I think now's a good time, right? Sometimes we feel that way and that's normal, it's human. But know that Hashem knows really when it's the best time and we will be rewarded. Nothing is forgotten. And I just wanted to bring out that gorgeous point. Also something so special about Dina. We all know that Dina, you know, Yaakov put her in a box and really Yaakov was supposed to have, you know, because he was nervous that Esau would see her and want to marry her. And we know that, yes, that was, that would have happened. Yaakov understood why he was worried. Like it was, it made sense. And had Esau seen her, he would have married her. And we all knew, we all know this idea that Dina had the capability and the ability to turn Esau to be good and to take his co-host and to channel it for the good and to, to, you know, be MacGyver. And he would have, it would have been great. And we would have had a, it, it, we would not have be where we are today. Let's just say had Dina married Issa. And we always know that. And it's always like, I wonder like, really, how do we know? Like, how do we know Dina would have really, really been able to turn around Issa's heart and, you know, make him be Choser Batuva, right? And we learn from Shrem because when Shrem took Dina, so usually something happens, Right. The person's kidnapped, they're hurt, and it's like they're thrown back. Like, I don't want to see you again. Go, like, I did what I needed to do, and that's it. Here, it's brought down that Shechem became emotionally attached to Dina, that he went back, he wanted to marry her. Very not usual that something happens and that the, the he wants to marry her and get to know her. And, and you know, we know that Shechem said that he'll... He'll be. He'll make sure that the whole, his whole entire, you know, town, the whole Shrem is going to have a bris milah if he gets to marry Dina. Like we see that just from that interaction that was against Dina. Like Dina didn't even have any, you know, she didn't mean for anything. She watched. She wasn't happy this was happening, but she had a koach that she was going to be able to essentially. We see turn Shrem around. So we see she had that koach. She really did. And we shouldn't underestimate the koach that we have. That we think that you know. If we see someone struggling or if we see that like, you know, oh, there's no turning back or this child. No, we have a koach. We can really like 
you know, bring in in a calm, nice way. We have a koach to be like Dina and to, you know, have people try to be the best, bring out the best in people. Just something a little interesting about that. Now we're going to move on to this time when Yaakov is fighting with the Malach. So we're kind of going like a little bit out of order, but okay. So we all know that Yaakov is fighting with Esav's Malach, Sarah Esav, right? I heard this from Mrs. Amir Ruby, and she said that, well, we know, we know the story that they're fighting all night and all of a sudden, then the sun starts to come up and the sire goes, oh, gotta go, I'm out of here. And Yaakov says, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. You fought with me all night. Oh, we all know that the star punched him in the thigh. And then Yaakov says, you're not going anywhere. You're going to give me a bracha. What does this mean? How do we, how does this have any meaning to the life that we are going through? Very much. It does. It has a lot of meaning because very often in life, we have fights. We're fighting stuff, stuff. We, we each, everyone to the, on a, their own personal level knows that through life, there are just times that we feel that we're fighting all night. There's this matzav, either with a, you know, a child, with a, a spouse, with a work, work situation, Parnassus situation. There's this fight and we're fighting all night. And it's like this struggle. And we all know that that when it becomes the darkest point of the night, right after the sun comes up. So we know that we fight and we fight and we fight, but the sun does come up tomorrow, right? The sun will come up, the sun will come out tomorrow, right? With that song, we do know the sun does come up. We pass, we get through it, right? So it's that, it's that symbolizing that fight that we have, that we fight all night through. And then almost it's like, we want to just like, cover the fight, like say like, okay, we, we went through this. It was like a tkufa. It was a time. It wasn't great. It didn't, you know, I didn't wear my, I wasn't in my most shining, you know, way. I wasn't standing out. I, you know, maybe I could have done it a little better, a little whatever it was. And we kind of want to move on, but it's like, no, no, no. Understand that whatever fight you're fighting after the, the night comes, after it comes, after the sun comes up, there's a koach that that fight is actually going to bring you blessing and you're going to be a better person because of it. And what's the kit in the, in the thigh? Basically the thigh of a person is the support beam, right? It's what holds us up. The gid hanasha, it's the thigh, right? It's that bone. What's that bone called? I forgot that. Like you don't ever want to break that bone. It's like not a good femur bone, right? It's that main bone. It's the, it's the beam. It's the support. So what was, and what's our support? Bitachon, emunah bitachon. And a lot of times it happens is that when we're fighting all night something, when we're going through a hard time, a lot of times we get hit in our bitachon. We're like, one second, I, I know I have emunah, I have bitachon, I'm learning, I'm trying, I'm talking, but do I, is Hashem really there? Does he see what I'm going through? And we start, we kind of start to question. So that hit in the thigh represents and we should say, yes, no, we should remind ourselves, yes, we do have bitachon. Hashem is with us. It's going to be okay. I'm going to get through it. The sun will come up tomorrow. And I'm going to shine better because of it. And because of what I'm going through now, there will be some sort of simcha that is going to follow because the sun has to come up. The sun rises every morning. The sun will come up. And if we have that feeling and we're positive and, and we have this kind of mindset, we'll be able, we'll be, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. We'll know. We'll go to sleep at night knowing that yes, we're fighting this war. We're fighting either within ourselves or with someone or or the real war that we're actually fighting. But the sun will come up just like it did when Yaakov was fighting with the star. And it's going to make us stronger. We're going to grow. It's going to leave an impact that will leave us 
in a better place. Like we know that story with Avram Avinu, he had to experience what it felt like to be super poor because right after that, he became super wealthy. And it only like, he was able to be so amazingly wealthy, right? You could be wealthy and then it could be amazingly wealthy. What's amazingly wealthy? I just made this up. That if you're wealthy in an amazing way, give tremendous sucker, understand people, people who come and need help, you give them in a way that you, they don't feel like they're being given to because you'll only understand that if you've been on the end of needing, of receiving. You'll only understand that. So that I feel like is an example that I'm thinking of that where he kind of was like, at this place, struggling, right? Very, very poor. And then right after, the sun came up and he became super, super wealthy, but he understood. And there's a pasuk, pitachta saki, where we want our problems to be over. We want to take off the sackcloth. We want our problems to be over. Just like stop the, you know, I want the machlokas to be gone. I want the pain to go away. I want whatever I'm going through, the child to just be okay. The the mats of an soul should just be okay. Whoever's sick should just have, everything should just, but remember the second part of the Pasuk, but now that this matzav is over, there should be simcha. Simcha should come through and simcha should fill our hearts and our home. And it really will, especially now this time of the year, Kislev, this month where it's the darkest time of the year, the darkest, darkest time. It gets, it. it's dark forever. <laughs> it's dark since like four o'clock, right? Well, what time did it turn dark? And it's like this time that's representing darkness. But remember what's going to come. Simcha is about, the sun is about to come up and we're going to rejoice very, very soon. Bakaro. And I wanted to, my last point that I wanted to bring out was this idea I heard from Rabbi Joey Haber where Yaakov meets Esav and they hug each other, right? You know, first, you know, Yaakov prepares, right? And then they finally meet. They hug each other. They're so excited to see each other. And then Esav says, Yaakov, let, I, we're great. We're good. We're good. Let's travel together. And Yaakov looks around and he sees he's like, what's he going to do? And he's like, you know what, Esav? I have all the little kids with me. They're going to hold me back. You know what? You go. I'll catch up. You go ahead. Go ahead. I'll catch up. I'm right behind you. Go. And that's what happens. And if you think about it, which is also a very good concept, he actually started off with this very good like question, like, where do we go from here? Right? October 7th happened. It was a crazy massacre. We're at war. So much horror, horrors going on in the world, right? We don't know how to be. How should we be? Should we be happy? Should we be sad? Are we allowed to celebrate Hanukkah? Should we have Hanukkah parties? But how can we have Hanukkah parties if they're hostages? How can we have Hanukkah parties if people in Israel lost their lives, lost their limbs? Like, we feel this, like, very uneasy feeling. Like, is it okay? Is it not okay? Uh, right? I was, I was like, right, yeah, okay. So tell us, what should we do? Like, where do we go from here? And he said, we learned in this week's Parsha that our life, the life of Yidin, is this feeling of limbo. Is it okay? Is it not okay? Should we be happy? Is it, is it like, are we okay where we live? Are we in 10 years? We'll be okay. Like this constant fear of limbo. And we've actually been in limbo since Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, believe it or not. And I'm going to give you this little history, um, such like timeline over here, right? We leave Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. We're in a desert. That's pretty limbo. Like there are miracles happening. So there's good, right? There's mun. There's the Air Miriam, the clothes never wear out. You don't need laundry. You don't need, you know, everything is like this tremendous miracles, but we're in a desert. We're sleeping in tents. We're not home. So it's like that, like uneasy feeling. Then we're there, the wars. And then there's the Shoftim period of time of 400 years that we had some good times, some bad times. Then there was the Beisamek Dash. Or before the Beisamek Dash, actually, there was David and Shlomo's time. There was evidence Shlomo. There was fire. And during that time, it's supposedly a good time for B'nai Israel, but we all know that there was the fighting. David was had was fighting with Sha'ol and then with his own son. And by the time that 
periods done. There's the two, Yehuda, Yisrael, it's divided into two. And then for many years of the first base, I think that it's brought down that it wasn't even used. A lot of B'nai Yisrael, the Jews, they didn't even go. It actually, it's brought down It's um, that there were cobwebs getting collected. It wasn't even used also. And then we're exiled and we're in limbo again. And then the second base Dash is not as great as the first base Dash, but it's under the Greek control. But again, limbo. And then again, we're exiled. And then we have the Cossacks and we're in position, the Holocaust. It's like, who, who, who? Good times, bad times, right? Holocaust, horrific times, horrific. It was seven years, 50 years after Holocaust. Well, we're up to 80 years after Holocaust. Not such bad times after the Holocaust, right? So it was the good times, it was the bad times. And Hashem's telling us that until Mashiach comes, we are going to be catching up. You go ahead, we'll catch up. This is the life Hashem is putting us into purposely, not to feel two feet on the ground. Like Joey Haber says, not to have be able to land the plane, but to fly. And that's what we have to understand, that this time of right now, we're in this feeling of limbo. But really, this is our life. We're not supposed to feel perfect. And a lot of times, so this is like on a global level, right? Like we're looking at the world, but how about our personal life? How many times do we feel that like, if this thing that I'm missing in my life now would be, everything would be great. We feel that way, right? And what happens, you know, it comes or if it doesn't, or if it does come, then there's something else. And he gave the example that how every girl who's 20, 21, whatever it is, waiting for their chasen. And they feel that the minute they have their chasen, life's perfect. But we all know it's not really perfect. Once the chasen comes and there are other things, it's just, that's the way the world is the way Hashem put us in this kind of like uneasy place to like, not always be a hundred percent, not to ever be a hundred percent perfect. It's never perfect for anyone. And that's really, and, and what happens is, is that if we understand that that's our life, our life is supposed to be this like uneasy place of like not feeling like we have it together, then we're almost not going to be like shocked by it. We won't be thrown off by it. We'll embrace it. And we'll enjoy this time and we'll live this time to its fullest, fullest and we'll look around and we'll see all the positive things that we do have and be able to appreciate it more. And how do we know? Because he gave this example. He said that he once, he was going, he had to take a blood test or something and he was told that he can't eat to like, I don't know, what he, he couldn't eat till after the blood test. So whole morning he knew he was going for a blood test. He wasn't hungry. He wasn't hungry. He was like, fine, right? Because he knew yet. And then on a random day, if he wouldn't eat and it would be like 11 o'clock already, he'd be starving. So what's the difference? Because on a normal day, He's expecting to be eating. So it's like he gets caught off guard. Like, wow, I'm not eating. I'm starving. But on a, a day that he knows that he can't eat till a certain time, he's totally okay with it. So we go through our life and every time there's like a hiccup or like we don't have the vision that we think we need to have to have our families be just the way we feel that we should be so that we can be the best versions of ourselves. I could be the best version of myself if I lived in a 40 by 100. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? No, no. Let's be like, Right. But if I know that, no, 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 right now, my life is exactly where it's supposed to be. I'm exactly supposed to be living in this house and I'm going to make the best and be the best and have the best, most gorgeous Shabbosim and the most, I'm just giving an example. I'm saying whatever it is, if someone feels like, you know, when I have all my furniture set up, you know, when I have like all my, my sofa and my end tables and all my pictures out and hanging and all the, all the paintings that I want to get, when I have all that hung up, then I'm going to be able to like, ah, sit and relax and embrace. No. No, not necessarily. Well, when someone thinks that when their child all of a sudden, you know, grows out of whatever stuff they're into and they're just feeling like, you know, right now, like what's going on and it's shaking the dynamic of the home and this child that like, gets it together, then everything is going to be sm No, but when we get thrown off, we're like, what? why isn't everything perfect? We get thrown off. It's like, instead of like getting thrown, like getting thrown off by the wave, like the wave, get on a, get on a surfboard and ride it.
right? You know it's coming. You're not going to be so surprised. Like Joey Haber wasn't, Rabbi, Rabbi Haber wasn't so surprised. He didn't feel hungry when he knew that he wasn't going to be eating. So it's the same idea. If we understand that our world right now is to be in limbo, this is how Hashem put us through since the since Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and only once Mashiach comes, we're going to actually catch up and feel okay. We'll be okay. And we're going to embrace it, not reject it. We'll accept it, not reject it. And the Meshachachma, I'm going to end with this point. The Meshachachma says that Hashem, throughout this time, gave us something. It says Hashem, not throughout this time, always. Hashem gave us something. The Meshachachma says Hashem gave us something that will make the other nations fear us. And what's that? That's tefillin. Now we have two types of tefillin. Tefillin barosh and tefillin bayad. Okay, so the one on the Rosh, everyone sees, right? If you go, if you're ever going to a bris in the morning, you see all the men have the tefillin on. You see the one on their heads. The one on the Yad, you don't really see because they're wearing a jacket on top. And basically, we're learning, we learn from this, that the tefillin by Rosh is the tefillin that everyone sees, and the Yad is between us and Hashem. And sometimes, sometimes the world doesn't see Hashem and doesn't fear Hashem. But we know that even though when the world doesn't see Hashem, we always have Hashem. We always have the Tzil and Shalyad. We always have Hashem. There's this connection of Hashem between us and Hashem. We know all the miracles, all the stories, the stories of the tuna fish, how it saved them and how it led to the entrance of a tunnel and to how this one and that, and, and they were davening and they got out of the platoon and they all blew up and 36 soldiers were saved. We hear all these nisim. We know that Hashem is with us watching over us. That's between us and Hashem. And that's something we should think about and it should help us bring us closer to Hashem and to feel Hashem more and to be like, okay, I don't have to be worried. I don't have to because right now the Rabbanim are not telling us to go to Eretz Yisrael. So no, no, Baruch Hashem, our passports are all ready, but no, we're not going to be running now to Eretz Yisrael. It's okay. And Hashem is with us where we are right now. And I'm working on building my relationship with Hashem between me and Hashem that for no one else to see, not for the world to see. It's between me and Hashem. And to know that our life is not perfect and, and the imperfect is much better, right? Perfect would be so boring anyway, right? Much better, much better. And how we're always in route. Remember, we're always in route. We don't, we're not landing planes. We're flying planes. I love that. We're flying. Yeah. And how, what happens when we fly? Anyone fly and have turbulence, right? There's turbulence. It's part of it. It's part of the ride, the ride of life, the journey that we're all on in our own ways. And we really just have to remember that Hashem is with us. And that what doesn't kill you makes, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And that, that fight that we're fighting, the sun will come up. The sun is about to come up any minute, any second, that sun will come up and we will have simcha that will permeate our homes and our hearts. And remember the koach that we have as the women that we are, the women of Klai. So remember, it's the Nashim Sidkanios that's going to get us out of here. So, I keep like reminding myself, like, let's just keep doing what we're doing. And remember, Hashem knows all the right things that we're doing. And Hashem will repay us for every single right thing we do and every single right choice we make. And every time we're mevater and, and we, you know, we let things slide and let things go. And the day will come. The day will come when Mashiach comes and we will finally land the plane. And we will finally catch up. I'm looking forward. I really, really, really am. And tonight is actually my Hebrew birthday. So I'm going to give you all a bracha that until then, until then, until Mashiach comes. So while we're flying the plane, Yehiratzon, Hashem should be with us. Hashem should be with us and we should feel his hand. We should feel his protection. 
And we should have this relationship with him, this very close, special relationship with him so that we can and so that we will enjoy the ride. Have a good Chavez. Thank you so much. See you next week.